is the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. We're turning the double nickels today, episode 55. Mark Potter and Mike Bradley alongside and... Thanks for joining us today. This first segment sponsored by our friends at the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance. They're located in Stevensville at 112 Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. 24-hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. Fresh off the state championship game that occurred on Friday night, December 2nd, and uh, was hoping that this would be a celebratory broadcast, but uh, still, nonetheless, I, I think the Ken Island Buccaneers, although they came up short 25-16 to Milford Mill, they can definitely hold their heads high. Oh, absolutely. And, Mark, you ma- I think Ken Island maxed, I mean, they maxed out, and that's all you can ask for. They clearly showed that they had the ability to get to that championship game and had a shot even when they had to play out of character, and we'll get to that coming up. But I know right now in the short term, it won't feel like that to them, and I get that. But at some point, they'll be able to look back and say, hey, look, guys, we did everything we possibly could and to get as far as they did. It's one thing if they had lost in the quarters or the semis, but they didn't. They made it all the way. They gave themselves a chance. They lost to a number one seeded team, too. It, it it doesn't make them feel any better, but they maxed out. And they were forced to have to play out of character and still had a chance to win. So I don't think they could have done any more. I'm not going to say that getting to the state championship is tougher in football than any other sport, but it's pretty darn tough to get there. Yeah. And... Uh, what I really and win it. I mean, look, Milford Mill had been there a number of times prior, but they hadn't won it since '87. Yeah, so they had, they had lost in 2017, they lost in 2021, yep. and they were able to win it in 2022. Their second state championship uh, in 1987 was the last time, and that was the last time they went unbeaten all year. And when you look at that team, they're big and they're fast. They've got some D1, you know, kids I think that are on that roster. Uh, and it was just, it was a stellar effort. But what I was impressed uh, by more was the number of fans that were at that game. I mean, we gave the Ken Island fans a hard time during the playoffs about not showing up. They were there for the Queen Anne's game. But when it got to the playoffs, they didn't show up at Andy Shipple Stadium like they did for the state championship. Yeah, not, not as much as you would have liked, but for the state championship game, Mark, I mean, we were, we were way up in the press box, way up high, so much so that the wireless mic for the sideline, it was too far, and that's why I was up in the booth with you guys. You heard them loud and clear, especially mm-hmm. on third down plays where there was a lot on the line there. They absolutely showed out in a great number, and they made it a really good atmosphere for the team. And on top of that, I liked seeing you riding – down 50, you know, and you're seeing the signs, you know, go Bucks, bring home a state title. And, you know, when you see that in a community, that's when you kind of feel like it's a football town. And we, I can't say that I have ever seen the community rally around the Ken Island Buccaneers or, or any other 
team on the shore outside of maybe with what Jake Coleman did with yeah. Decatur. Definitely there, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I just I haven't seen it, and mm-hmm. and I loved it, and and I think that you know if you recall the time we went out and called the game at Fort Hill. And we went into that restaurant and we sat down and we had dinner before the game. And, you know, you're riding through town and you see people with Fort Hill stuff all over the place out there. It kind of gave me a flashback to that in the sense of the pride that the community took in the Buccaneers. Yeah, I wasn't there for that. I produced the game, but I know what you're referring to. And and that's something that's really special for a town like Fort Hill. But you're right here on the shore uh, to see how high school football in a state championship rallying a community to see the video that was put together that was posted a night or two before the championship game of all the teachers at the various schools in Queen Anne's County, especially, you know, closer to the Stevensville area that put, uh, or took a, a few minutes to put together a you know a best wishes type uh, montage was awesome. And you're right to see the signs, to see the community come together. You definitely saw that in the Berlin Ocean City area with that semifinal game. I mean, as I mentioned, Mark, my Facebook feed, and I've got a lot more friends, you know, obviously down there on my Facebook feed just from years of working and living down there. And it was it was unbelievable to see. It. I mean, you had secrets streaming the game. That's how big a deal it was in one of their bars. But you know, flash back to, to Stevensville here and seeing on Kent Island, absolutely Mark, and it's just special. I mean, I, and I say this with the utmost respect for the other sports, but there's just something about Friday Night Lights that's special. It just is. I, I will agree with you. If you miss the game, we've got some highlights that CJ was able to pull for us, and we'll recap the game coming up next right here. Timeout with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Hi folks, David Wilson Jr. of the Preston Automotive Group here. Did you know that we can deliver your vehicle straight to your home or office? You can view and purchase vehicles from Preston's complete inventory online at PrestonMotor.com. Preston Automotive Group is here to ensure you get exactly what you've been looking for. We can even custom order select brands straight from the source. Integrity, urgency, teamwork, personal growth, attention to detail, community. These are the core values we live by here at the Preston Automotive Group. We're family, friends, and professionals. Visit us online at PrestonMotor.com to get started today. They are in the drive for the top 50 right now. And if you'd like to get started on a deal at the Autoplex, no matter what you want to drive, uh, reach out to Earl Wilson, 410-924-5844. This portion of the podcast sponsored by our friends at Perrette Moy Therapy Associates, located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Perrette and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies so step away from the pain by calling Perret Moy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. So when that game started uh, back there on, on Friday night, Milford Mill came out and they just marched right down the field and uh, was able to score first, score that touchdown. I'm not sure if they did on their first or it second. Was, it was their second series. Uh, yeah. yeah, the defense was able to force a punt on the first series. But, yeah, you got to see very quickly how good Milford Mill was on offense. And then conversely, the defense for Milford Mill completely shut down that Count Island run game early on. Yeah, they really did. And uh, Milford Mill goes up 7 nothing, And then – on Milford Mills' next possession, after again, Ken Island not really able to uh, uh, do much, uh, Dalton Mason <laughs> made a big play. Got a receiver all the way outside here on the uh, numbers to the near side. One to the far. H-back set up, Dada set up, and the right side. Now, we got a pistol formation. 
Purdy gets the ball, takes it. He's going to keep it. Coming off the near side, drops the ball. And Ken Island quickly, Johnny on the spot there. And we mention his name all the time in previous weeks. And that is Dalton Mason with the fumble recovery. And it was a big fumble recovery because, again, they were driving. Milford Mill was driving. And the quarterback just dropped the ball. Purdy mm-hmm. just dropped the ball, and uh, he tried to get the ball back, but uh, Mason was able to recover that fumble. And look, in this game, sometimes a little bit of luck, that's okay. Every team needs a little bit of that luck uh, to be successful in the course of a very long season and playoffs. And it's what you do with those opportunities, though, that's really important. Yeah, and and obviously they took advantage of that opportunity uh, to do what they did and uh, made things happen. When Ken Island took the field again, we saw a different look. Here comes Holland. He'll come across the formation, back to pass. McAndrews again looking to go down the middle of the field. Got a man there. It's caught. Sucker Claxton with the ball in an Einsenart.net first down. Down to the 30-yard line of the Millers. And every time he drops back to pass right now, I'm surprised because I'm just waiting for the KCE's run to compliment it. That was a nice throw. A split second later, though, Milford Mill may have made a play on that, maybe an interception, but two nice throws from McAndrews, though, so far. And, hey, a good approach by the Kent Island offense here, guys. So spread them out and see what you can do. The Milford Mill Millers really stiffened, but, again, McAndrews and company going back to work. Shotgun formation. Heath to the right. Here comes one in motion. That's going to be Holland. Clears the formation. Back to pass. Quarterback going to pull it down and run. Trying to escape one. He does. He's inside the wiener red zone. Inside the 15 to the 11-yard line for nines and art.net. First down, Tommy McAndrews on the quarterback draw. So McAndrews uses his legs because at that point, Casey Heath is, I'm not going to say he wasn't effective, but Milford Mill really took away their double wing set to and you know kept uh, – uh, Heath from running in between the tackles and even getting outside. Yeah, I mean, they, they, he was not a factor because they took him away because that's who they needed to shut down in order to give themselves the best chance of winning. So the next drive, next uh, set of downs stalled, and Ken Island calls on Max Barba. Barba looks like he's going to put his foot down at about the 24-yard line, so it'll be a 34-yard attempt from the near hash mark. Just need a good snap. There's the snap. O'Brien gets it down. The kick is up, and it's drilled through the uprights. It's good. So Ken Island gets on the board. They trail 7-3 with 7-0-3 left to go in the second quarter on 94-3 Winks FM. Of course, that game heard on 94-3 Winks FM, our overtime live Preston Ford game of the week. Ken Island gets on the board. You would have liked to have seen a touchdown there. Yeah, that's what I mentioned, that against a team like Milford Mill with a prolific offense, that you really need to get touchdowns off those opportunities. But getting three was much better than getting nothing there. So that was that was something. Yeah. So Ken Island trails 7-3. They kick off Milford Mill with the possession again. Two to the far, one to the near. Ball on the near. Hash mark. Give it to Williams. Run off the left side. Casey, oh. there's a fumble. Another fumble. And Ken Island, I think, may have come up with it. They are celebrating. They did. Two straight fumbles for the Milford Mill Millers. They have a habit of putting it on the ground. Casey Heath with the credited uh, forced fumble there. And Ken Island takes over at their 34-yard line of Milford Mill. 34-yard line. They're in Milford Mill territory. And it didn't take long for Ken Island to strike from there. Ball shaded to the far side of the field. 
for the Buccaneers. They're going to send three out here to the near side. Jeffers, O'Brien, and Holland to the near. Claxton to the far. Shotgun formation. Back to pass. Looking to throw. Pump and go. Trying to get to the outside. McAndrews throws it over to Casey. Oh, he's uncovered. He's rolling down to the 20, the 10, the 5, and the end zone for a touchdown. The Cat Island Buccaneers with a 34-yard touchdown pass. Beautifully designed. It was a screen pass to Casey Heath, and he gives us a Joseph W. McCartan insurance touchdown. Tommy McAndrews with a beautiful play. We talk about a design, and you and I discussed this a little bit in the broadcast with Coach. You know, he he was looking left. We don't know if he was looking off the safeties, looking off the coverage, because he did give a pump and a go trying to get everybody to flow that way. In case Heath leaked out of the backfield, and he just simply turned and made a perfect pass to Heath for Heath to take it all the way to the end zone untouched. Yeah, that weak side linebacker got look looking play side, looking to the side that McAndrews was pumping to and looking at. And yeah, he, he allowed uh, Heath to get out there in the flats. He goes back to him. And credit the offensive line in this one, by the way, in terms of pass pro. They did, for the most part, a phenomenal job. Later in the game, it got a little tougher when it became more apparent they had to throw the football all the time. It didn't have the benefit of time. But yeah, it was, it was a nice play. He had time to get back to the weak side, the flats, and you can't leave Casey Heath wide open, and he did, and uh, he made him pay. Uh, Tommy McAndrews, uh, the quarterback for the Kent Island Buccaneers, you know, remember just one week previous, you know, he they, they were actually not more than one week. For a couple of weeks before that, they were having handoff issues and, and things like that, and we have mentioned many times about high handoffs, and uh, there were times when Coach Soph had to, you know, climb his backside basically for what was going on in the game. Right. Well, late yeah. in the first half against Middletown, remember, right. there was that fumble with the exchange with Heath there and a question of maybe, um, you know, did he pull it when he should have just get, have given it to Heath? But whatever the case may be, yeah, there were issues there. Yeah, yeah and then he shows up in this contest. And I mean, you always wonder with kids, you know, because let's face it, they are kids. You know, is the game too big for them? And I think that when that game started, you knew that everybody had to have jitters. But Ken Island wanted to run the football, and they couldn't. So kudos to the coaching staff for going and turning their attention to Tommy McAndrews, and kudos to McAndrews for stepping up and rising to the occasion. I mean, he ended up with 196 yards and a couple of touchdowns. You know, but he got Ken Island the lead with his performance at that point because he made a few nice throws in the contest mark that's one of the headlines of this game and i alluded to it at the at the top is that ken island was forced to play out of character they went spread with doubles twins to each side however you want to characterize it and mcandrews having to throw the football on a fairly regular basis and for a team that hadn't done that much if at all this year they looked as if they had done it every week in the season, that that was a part of the regular offense. They made it look like, and I was joking, you know, is that playbook from Easton or Stephen Decatur or right. both? Like, that didn't come from Stevensville, yet they looked like they had run that every game this season. For them to have had to have played out of character but have success with it, 
credit McAndrews with some phenomenal throws and credit the offensive line for time. Credit some of the catches that were made in the game as well. In fact, Torrey Smith uh, was watching the game, the former Ravens and Eagles and 49ers wide receiver, and uh, commented on on Keegan O'Brien being a player. And O'Brien had one heck of a what appeared to be a one-handed catch at one of times. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of the big headlines for Ken Island to have to play out of character and to have success and give themselves a chance to win unbelievable and that performance in the first half really shook milford mill up they got out of character they had to punt they were frazzled and and ken island had the ball again trying to score late in the second quarter buccaneers back to pass mcandrews rolling out to the far side all sorts of time trying to find somebody throws him at the 20 and it's going to be a catch it's a uh, tucker claxton reception at the 20 yard line and going to be just shy of the first down, though. Yeah. Milford's Mill defensive line right now are cones. They, they cannot move. They are completely gassed. Yeah. No pass rush, but Mark, the clock's running. It the is, clock is running. 23 seconds and running. Three here to the near, one to the far. Third down and one for the Buccaneers. Going to give it to Hasey Heath. He'll get the first down. That'll stop the clock. He'll get down to about the 15-yard line for an Eisenhart.net first down. He's in the Lena red zone. Yeah, they were into the Lena red zone, and time is a-wasting. So here we go, still late in the second quarter. Here comes another field goal from the 22, a 32-yarder. This one's wide left. They decided to try and kick that field goal, and he was wide left, and uh, which kind of a heartbreaker because that could have maybe sent Milford Mill down even three more instead, down three, now down six. In the grand scheme of things, maybe it didn't matter, but you never know what those extra three points are going to do psychologically. Yeah, and at the time, you don't know how that second half is going to play out, so those three points could be very valuable there. And look, I know not to get ahead of our highlights, but there's a a pick six at the end that you take that away, it's a 19-16 game. Well, what's the margin there? Three points. Right. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. So uh, let's continue with our uh, third half, our third quarter uh, with the contest between Ken Island and Milford Mill. Ken Island's at the half, a long 20-minute break, 10-7 the lead. Milford Mill comes out in the second half, and they do go right down the field and score. Yeah, and Mark, we talked about how important that series was for both Milford Mill uh, as a team and for Ken Island as a team and and for Milford Mill with the offense, Ken Island with the defense, and that it was really going to be important for Milford Mill to get momentum back and score from their behalf, but on Ken Island's behalf is to get a stop or limit them to a field goal. But, you know, good teams, there's a reason why Milford Mill was undefeated in the number one seed. Good teams make plays, and they did. They got that touchdown, had the extra point blocked, so they led – 13-10. Can Island still in control of this of this contest? Yeah. Well, and there's your three points there as well. Right. That, that it's 13-13 instead of 13-10. And maybe the feeling is, okay, yeah, we gave up a touchdown, but hey, it's just a tie game at this point as compared to being down by three. But remember, there was a play on that series, Mark. I think it was a third down where Ken Island initially had stopped Milford Mill, but then Purdy ends up rolling out and completes a ball. Credit the receiver coming across the field, sticking with it coming play side or coming to the side that Purdy was on and made a nice catch. Uh, but, you know, Ken Island initially shut that down. It was looking like, oh, they got to stop here. But then, unfortunately, uh, Milford Mill converted. Yeah. Now, Milford Mill at that point leading 13 10. Here is our 10th clip. And this one 
took place in the fourth quarter. First and 23. Back to pass. McAndrews looking flush, gets pressure, throws it, and somehow comes up with a Keegan O'Brien with an amazing play. Had three guys on him, and he comes up with the ball at the 40-yard line, so they get that whole penalty back. They're going to mark him down at the 41. That's going to set up a second and 11. And he was not open. <laughs> no, he was not open not. at all. Like it was a one-handed catch guy. Yeah. It was darn near close to the one and They get back most of that penalty. And that's probably when Torrey Smith said that 14 kid can yeah. play. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and in this game, there were catches that were made that Mill for Mill, there was coverage there, or throws where McAndrews did a nice job getting it over top a linebacker or a safety or a corner uh, that that was close, but he got it just in there. But uh, sometimes the coverage was tight, but these guys stepped up and made plays, and McAndrews gave themselves a chance to make a play on the ball. Now keep in mind, this game is still 13-10, Milford Mill leading, and and here comes a, a... a little contentious play that you, you voiced opposition to during the broadcast. What are you guys You're empty, not doing? It. Empty the backfield. Here we go. Fourth and nine from the 39. McAndrews by himself. Got three receivers to the near, two to the far, one uncovered Big receiver pressure. blitz. McAndrews gets away and then taken down for a sack. A huge, huge mistake there. And it was a huge, huge mistake and a huge play uh, for the Milford Mill defense because it took away any momentum that Ken Island had at that point. And uh, on a fourth, you got to get rid of the ball and just throw it up at some point, you would think, you know, hoping for maybe an interception if you're not going to be able to make it a completion, just so it'd be like a punt. Yeah, and, and well, two things that stood out. You're, you're right. It was a third and – well, actually, that was a fourth and nine. Hadn't they right. run the swinging gate play the time before they attempted right. they and came, had to, Right. They came out in a swimming uh, swinging uh, gate with a fourth and nine. Uh, that's right. And, and they called. And Coach Sofanowski called a timeout. Coach uh, Ferragamo seems to think it was because – they weren't lined up properly to have enough men on the line because it was curved too much. Right. So he called a timeout to keep from getting a penalty. But had they executed that play, they, you were looking at a possible touchdown there because Keegan O'Brien was the center. He's eligible in that play, and he's just run the seam. Right. And all they had was a big guy to, to try and cover. So they had four guys and then the other seven over to the far side of the field, Ken Island sideline. And unable to execute that, put them in a pickle. Right. And, and so let's talk about the fourth and nine for a second. Two things that stand out. One, to me, with that field position at fourth and nine, you still had four some minutes on the clock. The way your defense has been playing pretty well, you kick and pin them deep. That limits their playbook uh, options there in terms of they're likely going to be more conservative with their calls. And there's still enough time where you could get them off the field, get the ball back with good field position, give your chance to, you you know, give yourselves a chance to score. Now, conversely, Coach Coach Sof may have been thinking, hey, let's go for it. If we get it, great. If we don't, I'm still okay with my defense with that field position, but you're still taking a chance, though, because it's still good field position, and the playbook at that point is different with that field position for mill for mill for mill compared to being pinned deep. Now, in terms of the play itself, as Coach Ferragamo pointed out, you go empty like that, even if mill for mill doesn't blitz. The idea in high school football, you got five guys are going to hold up for five seconds like that, or, th- or excuse me, three to four seconds like that, not likely to happen. So 
you got to get rid of the ball quick. But that also means, though, you're not likely going to get the nine yards you need there. So I was a little bit surprised they went empty there and didn't keep one person in. Um, but, yeah, I would have punted. Again, that's playing Monday morning quarterback there. I just think that that may have given themselves a little bit better chance. But, hey, that's why I'm up here and coaches down there. Well, a couple of plays later, uh, Deshaun Purdy had Milford Mill at the 23-yard line. Purdy under center, receiver to each side. Long snap out. Back to pass. Looking to the left side. Going to go with a little slant. And they've got Shell or make that uh, actually a new receiver in the ball game. He breaks free into the end zone. A couple of broken tackles. Josh Pearson, the sophomore, catches it and gets into the end zone from the 23-yard line on a fourth and six. And they had three people that could have ta- tackled him, and they missed. And Ken Allen's done such a fantastic job of tackling all day in space. Picked the wrong time to miss a few tackles. And that's what Milford Mill can do with, with, with all their athletes. It's a kid. He we, we wasn't on our radar at all. Just, just made maybe the biggest play of the football game. So that uh, extra point, rather, uh, was blocked again. And uh, so at that point, it gave them a 19-10 to 10 lead. Now you're at a nine-point difference. Yeah, two-score two game. Yeah. Yep, so 19-10. And it was obvious that Milford Mill had turned up the pressure. They were sending blitzes, trying to do everything they can do to get Ken Island uh, and Tommy McAndrews a little disheveled. Yeah, and, and now Milford Mill, as Coach pointed out, now Milford Mill, a, a, any tiredness that those guys on the D-line have, that that completely disappears because they can taste the state championship. So if they, did they have three minutes or four minutes in them to rush the passer? Absolutely. They kick off and into the end zone, and Ken Island has the ball. Three to the far, one to the near. Keith in the backfield with your quarterback, McAndrews, who's back, looking to throw it out. It was intended for Heath, who wasn't even ready for the ball. It was picked off and run into the end zone for a pick six, and we've got another Joseph W. McCartan insurance touchdown. That's five on the day, and for the Buccaneers, the bad news is that's Four for the Millers. Yeah, and uh, and now gave them a 25-10 lead. But even at that point, you just kind of sense that if Ken Island could get a touchdown, that just maybe they would still have a shot in this game, even down 15. Well, and, and right, and they would, and they did. What we were saying, though, is that having to drive the length of the field again, playing out of character, um, makes it a difficult task. But to their credit, they were up to it. Running out of time. Three to the far, one to the near. Middle of the field. Shotgun. Third down and 10. Little crossover there, going to the outside. That's where Holland has it. Holland comes back inside, inside the leaner red zone. He's down to the eight-yard line for an Eisenhart.net first down. A little surprised he didn't get to the out-of-bounds. And we got a chance here. It's, it's, there's three minutes right now. Kenan's got to get in the end zone now. They can't burn another minute off this clock. And on, onside kick can change everything. I agree, though, Mark. Uh, he should have gotten out of bounds there. Yeah, because time was an issue, mm-hmm. and they do get in. It's fourth and goal from the eight-yard line, 140 on the clock. Ken Island trails 25-10. They're trying to make it close. Austin Holland... Makes it trips to the far side. Throw into the end zone. There's that football play. Claxton goes up for it and catches it. It's a touchdown. Hey, Ken Allen gets on the board. And like I said, they have a prayer here. This is an extraordinarily important extra point for Ken Allen right now. That's six touchdowns. The Joseph W. McCartan insurance touchdown tally. That takes us to $300. We're at $4,600 on the year. 
to help alleviate childhood hunger. And hopefully we get uh, hopefully we get another one. Yeah. And sometimes the best players are as you're talking about, you just one on one go up and make a play instead of having to scan the whole field and find an open guy. One thirty five on the clock, twenty five sixteen pending the PAT. And we're waiting on the snap. O'Brien gets it down. The kick is up. And no good. That is not good. 25-16. Milford Mill leads on 94-3 wing tap in. Yeah, so, and, and that's kind of where it ended up. And, you know, once once they missed that extra point, there was no chance. Even yeah, because then it's was, a two-score game. Right, 140 on the clock. Yeah. You know, you just there wasn't enough time. You'd have to right convert two onside kicks, and that's very rare, very unlikely to happen. But yeah, on that touchdown play, they had trips to the uh, field side, but they went to the single side on the weak side there to uh, to the short side of the field, and uh, just a one on one. And sometimes, as I may mention the broadcast, sometimes that's that's the best play instead of having to scan the whole field and try to find an open guy among three or four guys. If you have the time, you go one on one. All right, hey Claxton, go make a play. And he did that in the most critical of times on fourth down. Let's look at the stats. They're sponsored by our friends at Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF certified and Shingle Master Roofers take care of your home or business today. More info at midshoreexteriors.com. So when you look at the day, I mean, normally... You know, we're used to talking about 200, 300 yards rushing from Casey Heath alone. Yeah. Well, the Buccaneers only ended up rushing for 66 yards on the day, 61 from Casey Heath on 18 carries. Uh, then you had uh, Austin Holland had one carry for six yards. You didn't even get a carry, according to uh, the Star Democrat, uh, from uh, Keegan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. You know, and well, it's a product of how Milford Mill uh, was uh, game planning to stop the run, and Ken Island had to do what they had to do. And I, I'm surprised Heath got that made. That's almost four yards of carry, and they, and you know, give him credit for for what he was trying to do. But um, yeah, Milford Mill was going to make you have to throw the ball to beat him. Well, keep in mind he had a couple of long runs that were like 20 yards, and like two of them were he, like 20 yards. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. They, they did, and that's where the pass opened up the run at one point in the second half. Right. right I remember. He had like a 20-yard run, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's where Coach was saying, hey, it, you know, the pass is opening up the run, and that's rare when you say that with Ken Island. Usually it's the other way around. Yeah, Milford Mill ended up with a total of 137 yards rushing on 33 plays. Their running back, Sean Williams, 23 carries, 102 yards, and he really was the class of the running backs, with the, and he was just so fast. Yeah, I mean, he he looked. They ran a lot of stretch plays, and he was good at just getting to the outside and beating guys. Uh, just with his speed, he could take guys head on. They didn't run him between the tackles too much, uh, but when he did, he was a physical guy. Look, at times though, I'll give Ken Island credit. At times, uh, they were making stops in the run yeah. game, and at times when Milford Mill would use the field to try to outrace Ken Island, they may have given up three or four yards on the play, but they weren't giving up 15 yards on the play or or 30 yards on the play. They really limited Milford Mill's chunk plays for the most part, and that's a real credit to Ken Island against Milford Mill team that, yeah, had a lot of speed and athleticism. Milford Mill's quarterback, Deshaun Purdy, 14 of 20 for 148 yards and a score. McAndrews, 17 of 33 
with two touchdowns and 196 yards. Yeah, how about that? that. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty impressive there. Very impressive, yeah. Uh, Ken Island's receiving. Uh, Keegan O'Brien, five receptions for 53 yards. Casey Heath, four and 41 for a touchdown. Austin Holland, three of 37. Jeffers, two of 25. And Tucker Claxton, three of 40 with a touchdown mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so, you know, a, a good performance. Just wasn't, and I think Soph said it best. Coach Sofaneska, we didn't play our best ball. And because of that, against a, a, a state championship team, you're not going to win. But they still played good ball, and he was very proud of their effort because not one time did those players start to turn their head and quit. No, no. But Mill for Mill could say the same thing in the first half. Look, we gave two turnovers up that led to points, you know, and that's what they were saying at halftime too. So, yeah, you give the other teams credit as well to, to some extent. Um, yeah, I – Look, I think all in all, I, I, again, having to play out of character offensively and defensively, given the tall order that Milford Mill had, I I wouldn't say that they didn't play their best game. I mean, I I think they played very well, considering the circumstances, Mark. I really do. I mean, you knew Milford Mill was going to load up to stop the run. And I'm sure the I'm sure Ken Island knew that, too. And I'm sure that even though we didn't see it during the season, that they had to be practicing this, obviously, but also probably telling the kids, look, guys, there's a chance we may have to do this. I'm sure that that they knew that going in. Yeah. And you know, and, you, you go with your strength. But if they take it away, we'll be prepared to counterpunch. But and coaches don't want to hear this, but I've always believed you got to lose one before you can win one. You know, and you know, Milford Mill, they lost two and was able from 17 and 21. They were there and they ended up victorious this time. Uh, it was the first time a Bayside team had gone to the state championship since 2009. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about a little niche there when we come back. Time out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. If someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal, Take time to connect. Ask, are you okay? Listen closely and without judgment. Share mental health resources. For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge. Visit forallseasonsinc.org. That's forallseasonsinc.org. It's okay to ask for help. For All Seasons is here for you. This segment sponsored by our friends at For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center, providing outpatient mental health, psychiatric, education, and rape crisis services to both the English and Spanish-speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info at forallseasonsinc.org. I don't know that we talk much about this uh, during the broadcast, but I, I want to point it out because it is an obvious. So... Queen Anne's County High was the last one to make it to a state championship, 2009, a team led by Donnie Grafe. Donnie Grafe was on this staff with Ken Island on Friday night uh, as their offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just think it's so cool that he was able to come down and join So, and then the both of them head to the state championship on Friday night for Ken Island's very first appearance. Yeah, Mark, uh, that, and that's a great call on your behalf. 
It is really cool. And so far, I played for for Coach Grafe and for them to be together in different different roles. And, and to be down there on the sideline, not for the championship game, but the playoff games, to see him down there with the iPad and, uh, you know, coaching up the offensive lineman the way that he's done. And, and to see him right next to Coach Sofa times is like, wow. I mean, you take a look at how much success, how, how many wins, experience, success between those two guys right there um, in the Bayside Conference. It's, it's unbelievable. And that's that's a heck of a coaching duo right there. But obviously, kudos to the entire staff, including you know Tim Goodrich, who we often praise right. uh, for his uh, defensive coordinator prowess, and uh, certainly well deserved. And don't think we haven't tried to get Coach Grafe on the air with us. That's right. And he just uh, yeah. he's like, no, I just want to go off into the sunset. But gee, it's impossible, <laughs> Coach. Come on now, you, that, that's completely impossible. When you make the jump to Ken Island like that, do you think that's going to fly under the radar? Come on. Yes, yeah, so, but I, do, I think it was very cool. I will tell you, when I was leaving that game on Friday night, mm-hmm. I don't know what the crowd looked like on Friday night for the uh, 2A, I mean the 4A-3A game between Arundel and North Point, but there were a lot of fans coming into that contest. Uh, there was. Let me tell you, uh, trying to get out of there to get back to the home studio for Maryland basketball pregame show was a task. Yes. was a task. Let me tell you that. Let's recap the uh, state championship games from the weekend. Thursday, Quince Orchard won the 4A title for the second straight year. They beat C.H. Flowers 32-7. Milford Mill won the 2A title, of course, over Kent Island 25-16. Mm-hmm. That 4A-3A contest was won by North Point. Their very first state championship, they won 31-14. On Saturday, the Class 2A-1A featured Dunbar and Patuxent. Dunbar, undefeated and back-to-back champions, they won 22-13. In the 1A, Fort Hill, back-to-back champions, they beat Mountain Ridge 16-14. I mean, those schools aren't 10 miles apart. No, and and so that's... Earlier this season, that was the first time that Mountain Ridge had defeated Fort Hill in the history. And I don't know how young a school Mountain Ridge is. I think it's, it's a pro- new. Yeah. somewhat new, but it's a product of a lot of consolidation and schools closing over the years. So Mountain Ridge beat them for the first time earlier this year. That game, Mark, was 14-13 at the end of the first quarter. There was no scoring second, third, and fourth quarter. That, that stuck that way. So imagine how exciting that was to be on the edge of your seat. That game remained scoreless, or excuse me, that game was scoreless for the rest of the game after a 27 points were scored in the first quarter between the two. Yeah, so Fort Hill, back-to-back champion, 16-14 with that win. And then the class— Wait a minute, Fort Hill won that? Fort Hill won 16-14. Oh, the, okay. I, yeah. I, okay, so let me dial back. It was a 14-13 game, I guess, up until the end, and they kicked a field goal then. Evidently. Okay, because I, I saw the score at 14-13 Mount Ridge. I, my apologies. Yeah, so I must have missed 16, that. 16-14. Okay. Okay. And then uh, in the Class 3A, wrapping up the weekend, Damascus and Oakdale. Damascus won their fifth title since 2015 with a 21-14 win. Has it been that many since 2015? They've won five of six? Yeah, five of of seven. Yeah, yeah, because there was one year we didn't have one. You're right. Right, but but they did have memory serves. I thought they had like two down seasons. Yeah, They've well, won that many yeah. since 15? They, I mean, I know it's been did. a few. But. They're two down seasons. They didn't win a state title. so Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, 
Wow. So, yeah. and, and Oakdale Oakdale won the state title in 19. Yeah. So they um they're no well, I, I guess there maybe if there were a few freshmen on that team would have been seniors, but I guess most of that team hadn't been didn't have experience, but that program though had won a state title in 19. Yeah. 21-14 the final there. That wraps up all of the high school football uh, stuff there, except we do have the Eastern Shore Bowl coming up this Sunday on the 11th uh, at uh, Queen Anne's County High School. Kickoff is 12 noon. I know Kona Ice is going to be serving up there, but this is an exciting time because you have kids from from the Bayside, the North and South Bayside, as well as from the Eastern Shore, Virginia, Delmarva, uh, with with uh, Delaware kids joining. Yeah, Southern in. Delaware, yeah, and, and even a couple of kids from over just across the bridge in the uh, Anne Arundel County area as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. it, it, that's going to be a great time. Uh, we were trying to catch up with uh, uh, with uh, Coach Coleman, uh, Coach Coleman from Decatur, but uh, and the original promoter and creator of this game, and uh, he's just not available. Uh, for us uh, right now, but uh, it's going to be a great time. Yeah, I'm going to head out there to that, and uh, we'll uh, you know we'll certainly do our best. I'll do a little Facebook Live on our Overtime and, Live and Facebook get, page. Get some video if you can, and sure. send it back to us, and we'll uh, you know we'll put it up on ShoresportsMD dot com as well so yeah i could take the i could take the camera out there by the way i got a nice uh hopefully it doesn't mind me saying this i got a nice call and i meant to, i didn't get a chance to to tell you this last week i got a nice call from uh from coach coleman and just say that he really appreciated his wife listens to the podcast and uh really appreciated just the um some of the comments that we made and we talked about the fact for those missing out on the context that you know coach Soph and coach Coleman are two of the biggest supporters of Bayside Conference football and that it was fitting that both of them were in the semifinals it's unfortunate we could have had an all Bayside final uh, but still an amazing job that he did at Stephen Decatur and the, the community support in Berlin and Ocean City has been unbelievable but uh, Mark you hit it on the head they are two of the biggest promoters and this Bayside Conference has come a long way and and I'm just looking forward to it growing and getting even better. And again, we're seeing on social media how active these programs are. And also now you see these programs on social media say, oh, hey, look at what this player is doing in college now. Or this guy who's coaching. I think uh, Parkside has a co- mm-hmm. had a coach that was coaching for Toledo, I believe it was, in the MAC championship game over the weekend. Right. And you had some Delaware players from Parkside play in the FCS playoffs against a one-seed South Dakota State. And just on and on and on. So that's... That's great to see. Marcus Yarns was uh, one of those that was playing with yeah. Delaware, but and you know, and that's one of the nice things is you see a lot of the new newer coaches and some of the coaches that are back. Like Mike Griffith, he's a big proponent of other Bayside athletes. I mean, he's you know he has made sure to send tape of other kids that he's played against. That you know, I know he sent tape to uh, uh, Southern Utah. You know, of KJ Smothers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, telling that coach, hey, you need to check this kid out, and. So I think more coaches are getting on board and seeing what needs to happen. And it'd be nice to see those coaches work within the community to get the community support, you know, support much like Decatur has done. And Jake did it at Cambridge, too. He's an old pro. If you, if you want to know how to promote your program and get community support, reach out to Jake Coleman because he can give you the, the blueprint because he has gone to Decatur 
And, man, on their playoff run, the support was just unbelievable. Yeah, we talked about that a couple segments ago, Mark. Yeah. Absolutely spot on with that. And as I mentioned, it's just great to see what high school football could do in bringing a community together. But, you know, look, on the field, you may be competitors, but off the field, having Bayside Conference coaches and even the players themselves, you know, work together to help one another out, especially for those – trying to play at the next level uh, if they're blessed to be able to get a scholarship to do so. That's important. And I made mention as well on Facebook uh, the night before the championship game that it was truly my hope that as many Bayside coaches and players would get to Annapolis and support Ken Island uh, because a Ken Island win in the Bayside championship uh, just brings more notoriety and respect to the Bayside Conference and a rising tide raises all ships. And even for Queen Anne's, uh, that that would be the, the lone exception about supporting Ken Island and winning a championship because that makes them look better and makes everybody look better uh, with the Bayside Conference. I still think, though, and I'll be fighting hard, that we need to be looked at, uh, we being the Bayside Conference, needs to be looked at with more respect um, when it comes to the statewide poll. So I'll I'll be doing your bidding, so I'll do my best. Absolutely. Now, we're not done with high school football for the year. Uh, Hopefully next week we'll be announcing who our offensive and defensive all-conference team is, who our overall player of the year is and who our offensive and defensive MVPs are as well for the Bayside Conference. So be listening for that. Hopefully we'll uh, be able to get uh, you and myself and the coach together to be able to uh, hash that out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I also need to come out with my final power poll, which will be a combination of regular season and uh, playoffs combined. And you can probably imagine how the top's going to look with that. But there's uh, after the top two, there are some difficult decisions with three, four, and five. No ties. Okay. No ties. No ties. No ties. And, and, hey, I didn't do that and, this year, did I, Mark? Hey, I didn't. And and you're not going to have any coaches saying, "Don't put us number one. Don't put us number yeah, one." That's and that's that, sorry. That, you that'll, know. that'll be the preseason. Yeah. Hey, we're going to turn our attention to college football. That's next. Hanging out with Bob Pino at an optical gallery of three locations to serve you: downtown West Water Street in Centerville, Harrison Street in East, and across from the Tidewater Inn, and in the Teal Marsh Plaza in West Ocean City. Bob, you know, I want to talk about silhouettes. We've been in business for 20 years here in Centerville, and the silhouettes have been partners with us from the very beginning. The frames weigh a little bit more than a paperclip, and they're just incredibly lightweight and surprisingly durable. And if you want something that just disappears on your face, that's the frame. And Optical Galleria has been my optical provider for many years, and I like the fact that I'm supporting local businesses that are family-owned and operated. We're not a big corporation. We're a small business. We have three stores. Each store's got a different flavor to it, but we have the silhouettes in all three stores. Stop by and check out the silhouettes at an optical gallery at all three locations. If you want to make an appointment with an eye doctor, pick up the phone and call 443-262-9415. Or check them out online at eisenart.net. Welcome back. Time out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Mark Potter, Mike Bradley, and we thank you for listening and uh, hanging with us. Real quick, I want to turn our attention to college football. And, uh, of course, the uh, conference championships were held this past weekend. Michigan, uh, they struggled at the beginning, but they uh, end up rising in the second half and beating Purdue 43-22. Clemson ran away from UNC 39-10. Georgia walloped LSU 50-30, to and uh, those were the big games. And, of course, uh, Kansas State 
using a field goal to beat TCU 31-28, but it wasn't enough to keep TCU out of the college football championship tournament. Nor should it have been because oh, TCU. come on. Mark, TCU beat Kansas State by double-digit figures earlier in the season. Why should they be penalized for being in a championship game against a team they've already defeated? My question is, do you want the four best football teams in the college football playoffs? Sure. Okay, then you're not getting it. Because... Don't sit here and tell me that good losses now are going to be better than good wins. Think back. If you're going to try to make a case for Alabama. Alabama lost to Tennessee and they lost to um, uh, LSU, right? And they were hurt. Okay. So they, they had injuries. Right now, if TCU and Alabama were to play, Alabama would be at least a double-digit favorite. Agreed. Was Alabama not a favorite against Tennessee and LSU? Yeah, but they, and they uh, lost. But Bryce and they Young, lost. Bryce Young was hurt. Uh, that, I mean, but that's part of the game, Mark. I mean, how many teams could we look at? I'm sure we could find some teams that had some major injuries that if they didn't have those injuries, they might have been competing for a CFP. But again, you're going back. Do you want the four best teams right now in the college football playoffs? Well, but then and that's not, all you're suge- not going to get it. Okay, but best teams based on what, though, you're saying? The, be- the, the absolute best teams. In college football, I'll give you Georgia, I'll give you Michigan, I'll give you Ohio State. Alabama needs to be in there as well if you want the four they, best They needed teams. to have won one of those two I, games. I agree. So. They, I, mean, I mean, but I, the, the lost, thing is... In those two losses, they lost by a total of three I, points. I, but at what, I understand, but at one point, does when we're making an argument that good losses are the reason you should get in over teams that have you know one less loss, have made it to the conference championship game. Again, did Alabama play in the SEC championship game and risk losing another game? The answer is no, TCU did. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Look, no doubt Alabama is extremely talented, and all this will go away with it with an expanded playoff, but Alabama didn't even play in the conference championship game. They could have lost that one, and then there wouldn't have been an argument. TCU had to put themselves on the line, and that's where I think it shouldn't be, you know, know um you know they should be penalized but look the the head coach decided not to kick a field goal there and and, and go for it there you know if he kicks yeah. a field goal then maybe they win it over time yeah. you know that gave kansas state an opportunity but you know i'll say this too if, if tcu had been blown out that's one thing if tcu had narrowly beaten kansas state or maybe even lost to kansas state earlier in the year well they probably wouldn't have made it anyway with two losses at that point but it's just they had already beaten that team earlier in the year and uh, of course utah easily beat usc 47 24 to take them out of any chance of being in the national championship yeah i mean caleb williams though hamstring issue he couldn't run anymore he had no mobility in the pocket not taking anything away from utah what utah did offensively usc's defense is crap and utah took advantage of that they can't tackle with anything but caleb williams was you know that injury played a big part of why usc's offense was unproductive after the early going i I call that karma because i lost all respect for that kid for what he put on his fingernails um heading into that uh, you know competition with utah I didn't, actually, I didn't see what he put no, on there. It was, uh, he spelled out the F word in Utah on his finger. Did he really? Yes. Oh. Well, so, that's, that's, yeah, and, yeah, and, that's I, and I hope because of that he loses 
the uh, the Heisman uh, because yeah, I don't know I don't know what's going to happen with that. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's yeah, that's unacceptable. Hopefully, that'll be taken care of. But uh, I, now he uh, he'll still be in the running. I, look, I think Blake Corum in Michigan, the running back, uh, deserves strong consideration for the Heisman as well. But unfortunately, he only played sparingly in Ohio at the Ohio State game and then didn't play at all in the Big Ten championship game. So we've got seven hundred bowls this uh, coming, <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 sadly. It, most of them don't mean much because players are in the portal as of Monday. The portal went active. You got guys like at Maryland. You know, you've got uh, re- re- not Jarrett, but are they? They're saying Jarrett's going to go too. But Dante Demas and um, uh, Jacob Copeland are both going to the NFL. They're skipping the bowl game. Um, Maryland's losing you know two tight ends to the portal. They're not going to be the same team facing NC State that they were during the regular season. So Maryland's going to be in the Duke Mayo Bowl, and Mm -hmm. uh, they'll be playing NC State. But the one bowl that does have meeting, and I think this is so cool because his mom's fighting cancer, um, is Jamion Franklin. And the Duke Blue Devils are actually going to be playing in the Military Bowl. So his mom and dad in Annapolis, in Annapolis yeah. and his mom and dad are going to get to go to that game, right? Um, and uh, they'll be playing UCF um, on okay. the twenty eighth at two o'clock. Okay. So if you want to see Jamie Franklin, you know who is a, a D tackle for Duke mm-hmm. and uh, has gotten a lot of playing time this year. Yeah, uh, you'll yeah. you'll be able to see him there at the uh, Military Bowl at Navy Marine Memorial Stadium. And I'm sure you'll see a couple of the uh, Duke recruits from the, the Bayside that will be there as well. Luke bu- Murgott and, uh, and uh, Kevin O'Connor. Kevin O'Connor, yeah. yeah. And now Jai Roy is being courted by Duke, is our understanding, based on uh, some of the posts from the Queen Anne's County Lions. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, we'll see how that all shakes out. And, of course, uh, Penn State going to the Rose Bowl. They'll take on Utah, which yeah. is pretty cool. Should be, Yeah, that should be a good matchup. Look, for some of these games, though, Mark, it does mean a lot to the kids. And for some of these programs, getting to a bowl is a big deal. So the kids are going to play hard. But the problem is, is that the attendance is low because the bowl games aren't the same anymore. It just doesn't mean the same anymore with the CFP. And, of course, Alabama, they are going to be taking on K-State in the Sugar Bowl, which is kind of ironic since, you know, Alabama should have been in over TCU, so they'll play the team that uh, beat TCU. So I am glad to see that. Yeah, the team that they beat, who they lost to by double digits just a few weeks before. It doesn't matter. Sure it does. What have you done for me lately? Did Alabama put themselves on the line against Georgia in the SEC championship game? The answer (laughs) is no, they did not. They did not, Mark. They didn't. No, they didn't. They played one less game. No, I'll give you that you you are correct <laughs> and uh, all of the bowls all start up here um in uh, let's see on december 16th is the first bowl it's the bahamas bowl and it's miami miami of ohio taking on uab mm. and then you got uh, troy and utsa now that's a good game actually for those that follow uh, troy, football yeah. on a d- deeper dive troy and, and ut and utsa is a good program too yeah yeah ranked 23rd and 22nd respectively in fact, and uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see how it all works out. I love the bowl season, and if you are a fan of college football, uh, the month is uh, for you. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this before we leave. Um, uh, Prime, Dion, oh, yeah. Sanders, yeah, leaving Jackson State, mm-hmm. telling his kids after they won the conference title the other day, and hey, I'm going to Colorado, uh, but he is still going to coach in the bowl game. And uh, but he's going to Colorado. Colorado introduced him as the new head coach, and he has actually come out and said, "I'm bringing my boys." 
and we're we're getting ready to change the way we do things around here in Colorado. And he's taking his son, who is a pretty darn good quarterback, mm-hmm. with him to Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, well, to Boulder. As, as a Buffalo. To Boulder, as a Buffalo, yeah. right. Um, look, he, he did a phenomenal job at, uh, at Jackson State. Uh, kudos to him for getting a Power 5 job. The thing that I'm going to be curious is ultimately, and look, with his name, with his um, resume, that you would think should attract some big-time guys to Colorado. And it's the kind of splash that Colorado needed to make. But I think what Prime's going to have to be careful about is making sure that it's not all about him and that the kids are getting enough of the attention. And I understand the media early on is attention the same way that they gave Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. But that ended up backfiring because people got tired of it. And also, even though he did win 10 games his first two seasons, you know, he had lost to Michigan State that first year. He lost to Ohio State for the first several years. And it just, after a while, it becomes too much. So I think that he's going to need to balance the fact that, yes, his name and resume is why he got the job and is what is going to bring kids to the school. But he needs to make sure that it's not all about him. And, look, they had to have the talks. I mean, I, look, Colorado's not Georgia Tech. There was some talk about him going to Atlanta, Georgia Tech. Well, the academics of Georgia Tech are much different. I don't know they would have given the exceptions there. I think at Colorado, it sounds like they'll probably give him the kind of exceptions and things that he needs to get guys in in terms of making it easier for transfers and his son being one of them, but also um, NIL deals. Colorado's Mm going to have to be all in to make sure that they're in a situation where it's attractive for kids to come because that's what it's all about. So, but it's a different landscape, Mark. Um, and yeah, of course he's going to bring his, some of his kids with him. No, no doubt about that. No surprise. Um, but it's a landscape that we live in. Now, those kids in Colorado, they do have the option of going elsewhere if they want to. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and I'm sure some of them probably will. College Placement Consulting sponsoring this next segment, providing invaluable college planning and high school guidance from sophomore through senior year. Let the dedicated professionals at College Placement Consulting help your child prepare for college. Go online to schedule a no-obligation appointment now at collegeplacementconsulting.com. All right, NFL real quick. Sure. Uh, of course, the Ravens, uh, Lamar Jackson goes down. He's getting, uh, we're recording this on Monday. He's getting looked at by team doctors and such in the second MRI. opinion and yeah. MRI and what have you. Uh, as he has a, a knee injury was what I had heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, can Tyler Huntley lead the Ravens to victory over the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, he can. Um, their defense is going to have to have a solid game, and, and they've played a lot better, although that fourth quarter, you know, that last series of the fourth quarter against Jacksonville didn't help the the narrative, but they have been playing better ball. But they're going to need a much better effort from the offensive line. Their offensive line did not play well against Denver, and I understand Denver does have a very good defense, but still, it was pretty bad. And and we've got some talented guys on that front, but it'd be nice to get Ronnie Stanley back. And I, I thought initially, them keeping him out of Jacksonville they were managing him a little bit just being proactive since he got some friendly fire in the game before but the fact he was out this game as well has me wondering but they need to get him back hopefully J.K. Dobbins who is off of IR hopefully they'll put him on the 53 man and he'll be good to go soon but yeah it can be done Mark and actually the one thing about Huntley he's more of a decisive passer than Jackson is yeah yeah you're right so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out an exciting race uh, really building 
in the AFC uh, North. Well, they'll look at the Bengals over KC, and the Steelers themselves give them credit. They've won three of four since the bye. Yeah, so we'll watch that. Of course, the uh, NFC East. I just going to say, yeah. With uh, you know, the Eagles with their only one loss to the Commanders, and uh, Dallas yeah, just – destroying Indianapolis yesterday. I kind of felt like that was a I'm going to prove a point kind of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the uh, <laughs> the Giants and the Commanders playing to a tie yesterday, which I absolutely hate in NFL football. I'd, I'd love to see them just go to a college football or a high school format. But um, after a while, too, it's like, come on, did somebody yeah. score then? You yeah. know, I well, mean, after I mean, a while, it's like they deserve the tie if they, if somebody can't score th- three points in today's league yeah. with offensive rules. And, and they both played like they wanted to tie. So, you know, well, they were saying that with the Giants yeah. that 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 the Dayball's gotten conservative after they got to a spot where it looks like they were going to make the playoffs. Now he's not as aggressive as he used right. to be because now there's expectations on him. But hey, look, credit Heineke though that touchdown pass to Dotson under two minutes left to tie that game to force overtime yeah, yeah no it's it's going to be exciting the commanders go on uh they're by this week they have a late buy so they're on by yeah, and, they, and then they'll come out and uh, face the giants again there you go at at, yeah. uh, at fedex field and i'll be there for that one nice while the giants so, have to play guess who this weekend they play the eagles there you go so and uh seattle did pull one off yesterday so they're they're still in the race um, How about Geno Smith? He yeah. looks good this year. Yeah. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the league, Mark. Yeah, when you look at that NFC battle for the wild card, you know, I mean, it's it's the Giants, the Commanders, the Seahawks, and you have and the 49ers. Yeah. And the Niners yeah. are down to a third string quarterback. Yeah. They still won that game over Miami. Purdy yesterday. looked good. He did. Brock Purdy looked good. He did. He did. But Garoppolo after the year with a foot injury. But yeah. And and San Francisco's got a really good defense. Yeah. So it'll be fun to watch. And uh, we'll watch it too. Join us next week here as uh, we will hopefully have your uh, all conference team, the uh, Shore Sports MD slash Overtime Live all conference team for uh, football next week. And your power poll will and be out within the next week. By next Tuesday, it'll be out. We'll have that as well. And of course, the start of high school basketball season tonight, wrestling season, swimming, and indoor track and Monday field. night, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Monday as we night do this was Monday. the start. Yeah, yeah so. Uh, uh, and it'll be fun to watch that play out this year as well. Queen Anne's boys, they're my pick to be the top in the north. Oh. Of why high, of course, will be the top in the south. In the south, okay. Yeah. Any, so, any girls' predictions? You know, it, girls, I think girls are wide open. Ken Island, I think, is looking really good. Um, and, and so I'm going to give them the nod. I mean, down south, yeah, my goodness, it's, you know, Parkside, and I think Y High is going to be a little better to surprise with it. Y High and Ken Island are going to be tested tonight. They they on this Monday night because they kick off the season tonight. Okay, so okay. it'll be fun. But hey, and don't forget if you're looking for high school uh, basketball uh, this Saturday at Chesapeake College. That's Saturday the tenth. Tw- uh, uh, they are doing the uh, peak tip off. And it starts at 12 o'clock and runs all day. I think the last game starts at like 8.30 or something like that at night. And that'll be Snow Hill and I think Cambridge. So, uh, yeah, get on and check it out. I think it'll be a lot of uh, a lot of fun, a lot of great games at Chesapeake College. I think 8 bucks or 10 bucks get you in for the whole day. Nice. So, okay. Good stuff. Feel free to share this podcast. Check us out online, shoresportsmd.com. Any closing comments? 
Great football season, Mark. I hate yeah. to see it come to a close, but if it took place every Friday, it wouldn't be special the way it is. But I'm looking forward to next year. We talked about a lot of young teams, got a lot of experience this year, like a Decatur team. Ken Island had four returning starters. Next year is going to be really interesting. It should be another year where um, you take a look. Top five, six, seven teams going to be really good. August 25th, mark it on your calendar. That's Mike's annual preview show right here on 94.3 Weeks FM and, of course, online at forevermidshore.com. Thanks again for listening. Folks, share this, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again next week right here on Time Out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.